I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 119, in which I do another mystery quilt, or two. And I am recording this episode on Monday, March 18th, 2013, right around dinner time. You might hear my stomach start growling, hopefully not. I want to start out by saying thank you so much to everybody for listening, and thank you for sending me comments and emails and tweeting and all of that good stuff. Um, I have really, in the last week or so, experienced what a community this is this online community of ours, and it's been a lot of fun. So I want to say thank you for um, enriching my life, I guess, that way. Mostly, you know, giving me a whole lot more buds to hang out with. I really appreciate that. In this episode, I am going to do a little bit of a Creative Bites, not much of one. Um, more of a pondering, actually, and a question for you as part of it. I will give a Sandy update. I've got just a couple of announcements and then a little bit of listener feedback. So first, my Creative Bites. Like I said, this really isn't as much of a Creative Bites as something I have noticed about myself, and I'm really curious as to whether others have experienced the same thing. Um, just this weekend, I finished up some projects. I'm going to be talking about that more, and all of a sudden, I sort of felt this mental shift back into, kind of away from my uh, what's the word I want to use for this? Um, manic? <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word or not. But out of this frame of mind that I've been in these last few, a couple of months probably, last few weeks towards my quilting, back into a shift, back into my slow quilt movement, more of my art quilting frame of mind, that kind of thing. And I realized when it was like this almost light switch turning back on. And I kind of started thinking back and realized that most Januarys and Februarys, which is when I'm in the worst depths of my seasonal affective disorder, I tend to kind of also go through this almost manic period of quilting. But it's all pretty fast, easy stuff. It's stuff that, you know, I'm that I can just kind of knock out quickly without having to think a lot about it. Um, I, I'm you know, it's not just that I'm following other people's patterns. I do that a lot. And, and it's not that that's not a creative process. It's just the types of patterns I tend to choose, the way I go about doing it. Um, it tends to be, you know, it doesn't really feel frenzied at the time. But then when I get to the point where I stop doing it, I sort of kind of find myself thinking, phew, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm taking a deep breath and saying, okay, now I got that out of my system. Now I can slow down and, and move on. Some of that might be, you know, the new year kind of thing in January, but it it doesn't seem to be. It it really seems to be on the same time frame as my seasonal affective stuff is. And for those of you who aren't familiar with seasonal affective, <laughs> you know, I think most of the people that live where I live have some form of it. Um, because I'm not kidding. From November to March, we get almost no sun. I mean, it's not quite as dark as it would be in Alaska or more northern hemisphere parts, but it's just gray all the time. 
um, we really do count in minutes the amount of sun we get at this time of year. And as I've talked about in in the past um, episodes, this is the first time I've actually gone ahead and bought a light box and I've been using it um, pretty consistently, except obviously when I'm in sunnier parts of the country, um, which I'll talk about in a minute as well. But um, I've been using it pretty consistently and I really do feel that it's making a difference. I mean, I'm not skipping around wearing tutus and high heels, if that's what you do when you're happy. (laughs) But I can feel a definite change, a definite improvement um, through using that light box consistently. Uh, So that has been a good change for me. But I'm I'm wondering in terms of, you know, as you know, I've been thinking through a lot about creativity and in my case, it's my relationship to spirituality and everything, but really kind of examining my own creative processes, um, trying to stay attuned to where I'm at, you know, creatively as over and against where I'm at emotionally and mentally at any given time. I'm kind of wondering for me if this is... Um, sort of a stress reaction thing. When I get stressed, I get very task oriented. Um, I go heads down, blinders on, get the job done. (laughs) You know, no holds barred, take no prisoners, just move on. Um, When I get really stressed, I stop even really paying attention to what anybody else around me is saying. But that's a whole nother matter. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if for me then depression and stress don't have some of those same symptoms. A lot of times with depression, you actually get to the point where you can't do anything. You know, you just, you're not motivated. You don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. You just don't see the point in doing anything. That's not what I'm going through. It's it's really, for me, almost, um, I can't even describe it. It does, like I said, at the time I'm in it, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm moving along. I'm getting stuff done. Um, I don't even really stop to, to think about it. I'm just it's after it's over. It's sort of, like I said, there's this sort of switch that turns back. Well, I don't know if I would say it turns off or it turns on. In in this respect, I feel like it's turned on because now I'm feeling normal again. <laughs> and I'm feeling like, oh, okay, got all that done. I'm done. You know, now I want to go back to a project that will take me a while. I want to go back to something where me and that quilt are in communication and I'm thinking about it again and I'm letting it speak to me but it's like I had to work through that other process to get back to this. And it's just really interesting to me that it happened at the same time and over that same time period as my seasonal related depression. So I'm I'm just kind of curious about that. And I'm wondering what any of the rest of you think. Um, Do you go through those periods of sort of manic productivity, not related to deadlines? We're not talking about you need to get X number of things done before Christmas. Um, but just where you yourself are feeling this sort of drive to get a whole lot done for no other reason than just getting it done. And if that's the case, where are you at emotionally at that time? I mean, what is that saying? Does that happen to you when you're in a really good mood? Or does it happen to you as a reaction to stress? Or does it happen to you as a reaction to something else? I don't know. This, Like I said, this is just something that over the last couple of days I've realized about myself and it just makes me kind of wonder. So I thought I would put it out there and wonder about, um, and, and wonder about that with you <laughs> is what I was about to say. I guess that's true. So think about that a little bit and, and I'd really be interested in hearing back from you and particularly those of you who do experience something like seasonal affective or if you experience depression in some way, how does that um, intersect with your sense of your own creativity? 
um, and also your sense of productivity. And, and I don't necessarily, I'm not equating creativity with productivity. I think they can be related. I think they can also be very separated. Um, and that's probably a whole other creative bites. But um, again, I'm just sort of throwing these things out there while I'm processing them myself. So there it is, something to ponder. Uh, Sandy update. As you may or may not remember, I just got back from vacation. My husband and I had a almost an entire week together, which in and of itself is kind of a big deal at this time of year. Um, he's already back off for work travel now. Um, my travel has uh, been curtailed very significantly, which is nice. Um, the, the next two trips I have coming up for me are actually both quilty things. Um, I'm going to Paducah at the end of April. And so therefore, any of you who might be going to Paducah at the end of April, let me know and we can hopefully do a meetup. But me and my BFF PQF Kate are going. Um, unfortunately, at the time we decided to go, uh, Francis from Off Kilter Quilt and Pam of Hip to Be a Square were also both planning on going and maybe a couple of other podcasters. I think I might be the last podcaster standing <laughs> on that. Francis and Pam have now both said that they are no longer going to be at Paducah. Um, I am still going. I don't care. Uh, so hopefully if you are going to be there, let me know and we'll try to do some sort of a meetup. Um, and then my trip after that in May is for my guild quilt retreat. So those are my next two trips. My next work trip is not until June. And then I'm going to be gone quite a bit in June and July. That's my usual summer mess. But my husband, on the other hand, has just been on the road all the time. Um, so for us to even have a week together was very nice. But to be away and have that week together was even nicer um, so that we wouldn't just be doing things like puttering around the house and, you know, him playing his computer game and me, well, I would have been quilting. But um, we did go to New Orleans. We had originally planned on going to um, Savannah. That was our first plan for this vacation. My goal was to be somewhere sunny. And we had originally wanted to go a little bit more towards late February, early March, so that I could break up my, um, you know, winter funk time with a little bit of sun in there but we just couldn't pull our schedules together mostly because of his work schedule um his travel schedule so we ended up going and our first plan was to be gone this week so we would have been leaving the weekend of saint patrick's day and staying for that following week we were looking at savannah for that time period who'd have thunk that savannah is apparently a mecca for saint patrick's day <laughs> We could not find hotel rooms anywhere. So we bagged that. We decided we'll do Savannah at another time. And then we, you know, we're talking about, well, where else would we like to go? And we landed on New Orleans. We had both been there for work individually. Um, and we really had both always thought it would be fun to go back for vacation. So we decided this was the time. And we also shifted it a week earlier so that we were leaving on Friday before St. Patrick's Day started because St. Patrick's Day also a big deal in New Orleans. On the other hand, in New Orleans, it's a little more understandable because they take any excuse for a party. So, <laughs> it's, you know, St. Patrick's Day, just another parade. Um, so we left a week ago Saturday and got home just this past Friday. Um, some highlights for me, I, I really enjoy New Orleans. It was a lot of fun. It was the perfect time of year for us to be there because the temperature was exactly what we would want. It was a little cloudy and rainy the first couple days we were there, but then the sun came out and stayed out most of the rest of the week. 
and it was about mid-60s, so we had to wear a light jacket, but that was it. And for us, that was ideal. We wouldn't have really wanted it a whole lot warmer than that. Um, mostly, I was just soaking up the sun. The The highlights of the week, we went to um, the Hornets game. That's the their NBA team, who is no longer going to be named the Hornets after this season. They're going to become the Pelicans. Um, and while I was there, I tweeted that I was at the Hornets game and Daisy tweeted at very lazy Daisy tweeted back that she loves the Hornets and she's never been able to be at a game. So I was kind of live tweeting her the game (laughs) during it, which was a, that was a lot of fun. Um, and it was a great game. I don't follow sports on TV, but I love going to most sports lives with the exception of football. That gets a little tedious for me, which is no... That's a huge disappointment to my husband because he's a lifelong Bills ticket, um, season ticket holder. But football just doesn't do it for me. I love going to baseball games. I love going to basketball games. I love going to indoor lacrosse games. That might seem a little unusual, but lacrosse is kind of a big deal up in this area. And so Rochester does have an indoor lacrosse game uh, team. I'm, I'm, I can kind of go either way on hockey. I enjoy it. It's not my favorite. But anyway, basketball is probably my favorite game to see live. And so I just had a ball. Um, and even though the Hornets are not having a great season, they were. The, this was the best game I have seen, mostly because it was so close <laughs> through the whole game. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, but the Hornets pulled it out at the end and did win, and it was just a hoot. So that was a whole lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed going to St. Louis Cathedral only because I had been there once before. My husband had not been inside it, so we went inside it. The main thing I enjoyed about that was um, Tori had another Twitter friend had um, told me, given me the names of her ancestors who had gotten married in that cathedral and had even sent me a picture of one of them. So when we went into the cathedral, I said their names out loud and then I held up the picture of a relative just to say, you know, here you are, you're being remembered. So that was pretty cool. It just made it a little bit more meaningful for me than just going in and seeing a pretty, pretty cathedral. So thank you, Tori, for sending me that picture. Um, loved, loved, loved the Bayou Boat Tour, which was another thing. I think Tori had suggested that. Um, and so we, there were two or three we could choose from. We ended up going on the one that um, was also, I, I think, the American Idol contestants went on that same tour one year and Kelly Ripa went on that tour. We didn't choose it because of that. We chose it more because of these other components that were around it. Um, but in any case, it was very, very well done. If you are going, it's the Cajun Encounters tour. And we did the two tour tickets. So we did a city tour and then the Bayou tour. And both tour guides were very good. Um, but the the Bayou tour was just so much fun. And I tweeted pics of alligator snakes and pigs and things that we were seeing, all the creepy crawlies. Um, although I didn't, don't think I tweeted a picture of the wolf spider, mostly because the, the guy, I was sitting right next to the captain of the boat. And in order for him to swing the boat around so that everybody could get a good look, I was right up against that stinking spider. And I knew those things jumped. <laughs> and so we had a Twitter conversation today about spiders. And although I wouldn't call my thing about spiders... Um, a phobia because if a spider is in the room with me it doesn't really bother me you know I'm, I'm a live and let live kind of girl but if it's a honking big spider with furry legs and I think it might jump on me that's a little bit of a difference and this wolf spider was probably mm, six inches long one end to the other for leg to leg not the body of it 
Um, I didn't take a picture, or I, I took a picture, but I didn't bother tweeting it because it blended in with the tree. You wouldn't have been able to see it. But anyway, um, really enjoyed that tour. It was nice getting out of the city and into the country. It was nice getting a sense of the environment. And they did talk a lot about um, kind of ecology sorts of things. So that was pretty cool. Just really enjoyed that too. I did have to say, I've, I've talked a lot about things I was tweeting during this vacation. And my husband did say that to me at one point geez, I feel like all your Twitter friends are on this vacation with us. <laughs> I just had to laugh because, yeah, you kind of were, but it was fun. I mean, I wasn't ignoring my husband to tweet to you guys. It's easy enough to send a quick tweet, you know, while you're waiting for the tour bus to turn a corner or whatever. Um, but it just made it more interesting for me to be hearing from people who had either lived there or had been there and stuff to say, oh, you got to check out this place, that place, the other thing. So it was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of great restaurants, even though we're not fans of shellfish. So there were some restaurants that everybody said, oh, you got to go to this one. But when we looked at the menu, it was kind of like shellfish, 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 or chicken. Um, so we didn't go to some of the restaurants, but there were other ones we went to that did have shellfish on the menu, but had enough other things that still felt local that we could still feel like we were getting that local food experience without having to eat crawfish, because I just can't do that. Um, I did try turtle soup. The flavor was fine. It was a little bit thick and oily for my um, taste. For those of you who have never had it, it actually is more of a, a almost a tomato-y kind of base. At least this version of turtle soup did. And the turtle itself, it wasn't even like there were big chunks of meat in there. Um, and I guess they said they actually cook it with a veal base. So you're probably tasting the veal more than the turtle, which I don't like veal either. So I'm kind of surprised I liked it at all. I liked the flavors of the seasonings and that kind of tomato base or whatever that was. That was good. Um, let's see. It was a three soup appetizer combo. You got like a little espresso size cup, a demitas cup size of each soup. It was that, oh, gumbo, um, which I liked the gumbo until I started tasting the shrimp that was in the bottom of the, <laughs> the gumbo. And then I just don't like the taste of shrimp. So I kind of scraped as much of the gumbo off the top of the bowl as I could get without tasting that shrimp and then had to give it up. Um, but then the third soup was a chicken curry with coconut soup. And man, I, I would have had bowls of that. That was fantastic. Lest you think I'm a picky eater. I'm not. There's just certain things. Um, so that was very good. Um, oh, and then there was in that same restaurant for dessert, I had a bread pudding souffle that was phenomenal. And I don't normally particularly like bread pudding. It's a little bit heavy for me. But this souffle version of it was amazing. It was the best of the bread pudding taste without the heaviness, the thickness. So that was excellent. Um, that was, by the way, Commander's Palace, I think was the name of the restaurant. It's the one where Emeril Lagasse got his start on the line. Um, so if you're down there, check that one out. Very good restaurant. Um, oh, and then my other favorite, and I did tweet this one too, a picture of this, was the restaurant that was, it's not the hotel restaurant, but it was adjoining our hotel with a door that opened into the lobby was um, Domenica's, which is a John Besch restaurant. John Besch being one of the, you know, Food Network type um, restaurateurs or chefs. And we ate there for lunch twice, kind of a late lunch, early supper sort of thing. And they had, um, you know, personal type pizzas. And I had one that was a roasted carrot sauce. So it was pureed roasted carrot as the sauce. And then it had roasted beets and Brussels sprouts and onions and something else. Don't remember the other thing. Toasted hazelnuts and goat cheese. And this 
was amazing. <laughs> I can't, oh, I was in paroxysms of joy. It was just an amazing pizza. Um, so I am going to try to do my best to recreate it at some point at home. So anyway, that's enough about the food in New Orleans. Um, I won't even talk about Bourbon Street, you know. <laughs> it was it, it just not our scene. Packed one end to the other. Again, who knows what was going on in town, but it was really busy. And it was a frat party. And yeah, it was mildly entertaining to walk down it and see people being stupid. But, you know, you've seen that once. You've seen it a million times. We pretty much after the first couple of days, just started taking other routes back to our hotel because our hotel was actually pretty close. We were across Canal Street from Bourbon Street, but, you know, it would have been an easy way for us to get to a lot of places, but we started just going up or down a block. And that's the amazing thing about Bourbon Street is it's really self-contained to Bourbon Street. Now, that's probably not true, like during Mardi Gras um, season, but off-season, Bourbon Street is always Bourbon Street, but you go one block north or south and you almost can't even hear it anymore. It was really pretty amazing. Um, a lot of other streets in the French Quarter were much more enjoyable, had the same kinds of things, still had great restaurants, still had street musicians hanging out, but didn't have the obnoxiousness of Bourbon Street. Um, the best music we found was down on Frenchman Street, and unfortunately we, we did not find our way down there until the last night we were there, um, but we had a great time. Fantastic street band, brass band, um, tubas and trombones and trumpets and then the percussionists were phenomenal they were really what was holding that band together and of course created kind of the street party all these people just coming out and dancing in the middle of the intersection and stuff that was a lot of fun we stood and listened to them for probably it was probably over half an hour um before they finally ran out of their time i and we can't figure this out if somebody knows how this works I think there's some areas where some musicians just pull up a chair and sit down and start playing, but there's other places where there's clearly sort of this territorial claim. Um, because the, in this band, in their um, in their instance, they said something about, well, we're here every night from 6 to 8. So clearly they have some sort of a, a scheduled time on that particular corner. Um and there were other locations where it felt like people must have to kind of sign up or through seniority get that location because otherwise it would just be mayhem. I, it was kind of weird. So if anybody knows how that works, let me know. Um, and then, of course, we did have our beignets. We had uh, beignets at the cafe in City Park early on. That was a stop during our city tour. Um but then later in the week, I did make sure my husband got down to Cafe de Monde. I had been there last time I was there. He had not been. And he was like, well, you know, once you've had a beignet, I'm like, no, I really felt like those were different. And once we went back down to Cafe de Monde, yes, those were, I still like the Cafe de Monde beignets better. And the Cafe Olay, I, I really don't think the Cafe Olay we had up at the City Park one was, I don't know that it had chicory in the coffee. And that's kind of what makes the coffee taste a little bit different at Cafe de Monde. Um, Daisy said most ca coffee down there has chicory in it, but just the one I had at the city park just kind of tasted like normal, not particularly strong coffee to me, whereas the one in Cafe de Monde did have a little bit of that richer, um, more of a bite to it. Not That's going to scare you off if you've never had it. It was very good coffee um, for the Cafe LA. But anyway, we did have those. Um, mostly we just wandered around and rested and didn't really overschedule ourselves. It was a really nice vacation. Uh, we did not rent a car, so there were no quilt shops there had. I think there used to be a quilt shop somewhere in the French Quarter when I was doing my research before I went down there that was there for many years, but apparently the owner passed away a few years back and that shop has closed. Um, 
there didn't seem to be any quilt shops that I could find in within walking distance. So didn't get to do any fabric shopping, but that was okay. So that was our vacation. Very nice. Um, really got a sense that we saw a lot of New Orleans between the tours. And then a day we took a ferry across to Algiers Point and just wandered around the neighborhoods over there. We just did a lot of wandering. That's what we tend to do. Um, so we do feel like we got a good feel for New Orleans and enjoyed ourselves. So that was a lot of fun. Now I had quilty. Let's talk about quilting since that's what this podcast is. I had done a lot of hand dyes again before I left. Um, I am actually still working on getting those pictures posted. Um, but I, I got all tied up in trying to clean up my online li- life. I'm working on moving blogs, trying to consolidate stuff, doing redirects and all that kind of thing. And it's just ugh, complicated and obnoxious to do. Um, and then there's times where you think you've gotten everything done and then you've got to wait 24 to 48 hours to see if it actually took. So I'm, I'm kind of in the midst of all that mess. And I've been putting off posting a new blog post until I can make progress on that. But if I don't see progress by tomorrow, I'm just going to go ahead, um, post on my regular blog and continue to kind of try to work on this. So I will get pictures of those, um, my newer hand dyes up pretty soon. Um, the other thing, and I, I am still learning a lot. I have not yet started taking notes. And if I start dying again, or when I get to it again, which might be this weekend, I'm now going to start actually being more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disciplined <laughs> about what I'm doing and actually take notes of, of what I'm learning from what I've done so far. And maybe we'll share some of that with you. Um, mostly in my quilting life, I have finished piecing the tops of the Kimberly Einmo mystery quilt on Craftsy. And this is hence the title of this episode in which I do another mystery quilt. Um, I've talked about why I started doing this mystery quilt in past episodes, so I won't talk a lot about that. I did enjoy this one more, I think, than doing Easy Street, but that's mostly because I wasn't under a set schedule where I was trying to get everything done, you know, within a week and moving on. It was also a much simpler design. It was, um, I think I figured that it took me about an hour and a half on average per step, and that was for doing two versions of the same design so I was doing each step twice Um, I was doing the wall hanging size there was a crib a wall hanging a twin size and then a queen or king size I think I don't remember what the upper one was there were four sizes that she gave you the measurements for and the cutting instructions for Um, which that was one of the things I liked much better than doing the, the Bonnie Hunter mystery quilt was because Bonnie Hunter, you know, she has the one size, she gives you the instructions with the one humongous, gigantic size she gives you the instructions for. Um, Kimberly Einmos gave you four sizes you could choose from. So it was, you know, much easier to be able to decide while I'm feeling like I can probably knock out a wall hanging. I probably don't want to do, you know, another full size. And that's not a knock on Bonnie Hunter. That's just the decisions they've made as they've put theirs together. Um, So anyway, I did this mystery quilt in two colorways. The first one was black and white with red accents. And that one has been claimed by my nephew. He happened to come over for a couple of days while it was on my design wall. And he said, oh, well, who are you making that for? And I said, oh, nobody. I don't really know who it's going to. And he kind of looks at me. I said, do you want it? And he's like, yeah, I want that one. So he's going to get that one. Um, That one I did do borders on. I did a narrow black border and then a wider red border to finish it off because... The, where the white ends up um, 
it just sort of felt like it was floating off into the distance so it really needed a border on it the second one i'm doing or i did was all in batiks and it was aquas and like a lighter aqua green and then a dark teal and purple um, as kind of the accent lower contrast i mean it's still not a low volume quilt there is definitely contrast there but much lower contrast than the black white and red one it feels very spa <laughs> you know um and that one my daughter was home she had spring break the same week we were gone she went on a road trip down to st louis missouri to visit a friend but she came home this weekend in between and spent a day to rest before she went drove back to college this morning and so she's my normal quilt hanger she has been for years so since she was home i took advantage of her and said okay you get to be quilt hanger again so she held up the quilts for me while i was taking pictures of them and she was looking at the um batik one and saying well you know same kind of thing well who's that one for nobody can i have it <laughs> it's like yeah okay that's fine um although now that my nephew and my daughter have both claimed quilts now i'm like you know my son hasn't gotten a quilt in a while <laughs> i'm probably gonna have to make him something although he's not into the the quilting thing as much as the other two are so you know he probably won't really care um but in any case so and that one the batik one i'm not going to do borders on it it does not need them i'm hoping i have enough of either the dark teal or the purple either one of those would work well as a binding so that would just be enough of a frame around it but i haven't taken out my my leftover fabrics yet to see what i've got enough of um the Kimberly Imo Mystery Quilt, if you've not done it, just so you know, it is definitely geared for beginners. There was nothing there that twisted my brain at all. Each step, like I said, only took me each step, I should say, for the, the crib or for the uh, wall hanging size only took me about 45 minutes. They really were not hard. Well, I should say that was piecing because you cut all the pieces first and then you piece the units in later steps. So to break it up it probably i would probably say for a wall hanging size maybe an hour altogether if i was cutting and piecing all together um so that was simple you know and now the only thing it did take me longer when i was actually piecing the quilt top together only because the first one i was tackling the black white and red one first and i had it up on my design wall and i had gotten all the units up on my design wall before i left for vacation mm -hmm. came home for vacation and decided okay i'll throw this together this weekend won't take me long well because it was an easier thing, I was not paying attention and managed to flip units around <laughs> while I was piecing. Um, I was kind of chunking it. It worked better to do that one, this, this one chunking. So I was doing, you know, four blocks pieced together and then the next four blocks put mm -hmm. pieced together. The, um, sorry if you can hear my computer making noises. I don't know what it's trying to tell me. I think maybe, oh, my hard drive is turning back on and off. Sorry. Um, so the the wall hanging size was two four six blocks across and then two four six blocks down i'm trying to picture it now before i pieced it together so six blocks across six blocks down so i was doing it in units of four you know twosies 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 and managed to have to completely rip apart two of those chunks maybe three of those because i'd flip so many units around i mean it wasn't even just taking out one piece it was like i had to take the whole thing apart and put it all back together so that took me longer um when i got to the batik one then i was paying attention and it went much more <laughs> smoothly so that was okay um i did watch even though this was done for beginners and every one of the units i've done you know a gazillion times in my my quilt career 
So the temptation is to skip watching the videos, just download the PDF, get the step, and move on. I did, though, decide I was going to go ahead and watch her video steps. They were all fairly short. I could skip part of them because she does it, she gives you each step two ways, um, one with her specially designed rulers and then one with traditional rulers. I did not buy her specially designed rulers. There was no need to. She never told you you had to. Um, and because, again, she also said, here's how you would do it with a traditional ruler. So I kind of skipped through each part that showed her rulers and only watched the part with the traditional rulers. Um, and even that, you know, I wasn't watching it terribly closely because I'm like, okay, I, I know how to do this. But I'm always looking for that one little tip, you know, that you maybe you hadn't thought of before. And sure enough, out of this whole thing, there was one little tip, you know, it was kind of the one of those scratch my head, why didn't I think of that before kind of tips. Um, nothing earth shattering, probably something that all of you have been doing forever and I haven't. It was just a, a different way to um, basically when you chain piece, how you clip your pieces apart afterwards and then keeping some parts of it together and some par parts of it not. I'm not going to go into detail here, but it was like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. And it did actually make things easier. <laughs> so that's something I will try to remember next time I'm doing chain piecing of a particular type. Um, so anyway, yes, you don't need to buy her special rulers to do this. I didn't own them. was fine. Um, they're, you know, a little bit of a sell job. She did once in a while say, well, that's why I really like these rulers, because it makes this part much easier. And I'm like, okay, skip that, move on. You know, I don't blame her. She's trying to make a living. So I wasn't angry by that. Some people get their nose all bent out of joint. Didn't bother me. Um, but like I said, you can do this whole thing without having her rulers. You could easily do it. If you're an experienced quilter, you could do it without even watching any of the steps. Just download her PDFs and, and move on. But I do um, find it helpful to, to watch the steps, like I said, just to see what I might pick up. The most helpful thing about her approach to this mystery quilt on Craftsy was the way she handled telling you how to, giving you advice on how to choose your fabrics. You know, that was something a lot of us talked about when we got to Easy Street. If you wanted to do some other colors than what Bonnie Hunter was telling you to do, how, you know, how do you go about choosing those colors um, with more or less success, you know, varying degrees of success people had. And, and mine would have been fine. I don't mind my color choices overall for Easy Street. It was just what I did within certain colors. Um, but in any case, in this one, she not only spends part of the first episode, I think it was probably 10 to 15 minutes worth of one of those video episodes on, here's some things to keep in mind as you're choosing fabrics. Here's what would work well. Here's what wouldn't work well. Um, she never once says, here's the colors you should use. She says, here's the colors I'm using here, you know, for the purpose of this video. But you know, here are six other sets to use as examples. Here's other things you might want to do. And then um, beyond that, then once you choose your colors, you can upload pictures of them to the Craftsy, to her um, within that Craftsy class, and she will give you advice. So on mine, I, I uploaded both of my sets of fabrics and got her advice. And she just had me, in one case, she only had me flip two fabrics. I think that was the black and white one she had me flip two. She said, I think you'll be a lot happier if you flip those two. And then the other one, she had me reorder them all together. Now, was she telling me what to do? No, I could have ignored her advice. But, you know, having just come off the Easy Street experience, I'm like, I'm going to make life easy on myself. If she tells me she, I'll probably like it better doing it this way, I will just do it that way. And, and it's right. I'm very pleased with the way both of these came out. I really like the design. I really like the way it turned out. Um... 
oh, I don't remember now who it was. I'm sorry, was it DDR Quilter? Did this, like we said, we had a super secret Flickr group for those of us who were doing this together and didn't mind seeing pictures of what other people had done before we got there. Um, so it was an invitation only. You had to know the secret handshake to get in, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and somebody, oh, I think it was DDR Quilter. I apologize that I did not check this ahead of time, but she had done hers queen size. I think it was the, the biggest size. And she did not choose to use the layout that Kimberly Imo suggests for the end. She kind of messed with her layout and hers was gorgeous as well. So you can do that. I could not, since I was only doing the wall hanging, I did not have the options of layout that a larger quilt would have. I just couldn't really move things around. Um, so I just ended up with Kimberly Imo's actual design. But it's a very nice design. Um, again, I really like the way mine turned out with my colors, etc. But, and this was what I was talking about in my Creative Bites at the beginning, I enjoyed working on this all the way through. Um, you know, the, the end result, the end design wasn't, you know, like a huge surprise. Oh, I didn't see that coming. It was kind of like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, but once I got my tops pieced, I completely and totally lost interest. I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> so... I'm going to send them out to have them long-armed. I, I really, you know, it's not that I, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to mess them up from long-arming or anything. I'm Essentially, I'm just kind of being a little lazy. I, I've just lost interest. I want to move on to other projects. I am done. I've I've received out of these mystery, these two mystery quilts what I, whatever it was I was looking for, which I still don't really know. Um, but I was done. So I'm going to get the backings together this week and then hopefully by this weekend I will have both of those backings put together and borders I need to get on another quilt that I'd already decided I was going to have long-armed I want that one custom done um that's another podcast episode um and and just move on because I have other things I want to get done so it, it was just really interesting to me that like I said, I've gone through these last couple of months. I really was going for doing the mystery quilt, the Kimberly Imo one. There's other craftsy classes I'm kind of working on at the same time. One is a, another Kimberly Imo's, her magical jelly rolls um, class. I'm not really working on it, but I'm getting ideas out of it. And I want to start doing a Jacob's Ladder block, as she suggests, out of my scrap squares. So, you know, I've got other things I've kind of been working on. But once I got those two pieced tops done that was when the 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 toggle switch toggled and I my whole mindset changed and I'm like okay those are done I'm moving on I want to get back to art quilting um so I don't quite know what the trigger was but again it wasn't anything to do it wasn't like I didn't enjoy doing the Kimberly Imo mystery quilt it was a lot of fun enjoyed it I'm I'm loving seeing what other people's finishes look like um I'm just I'm done okay so Hopefully I'll get those out for quilting and we'll be able to have binding on them and have them done by, you know, probably mid-April by the time I get them back from the quilter, etc. So if you're into mystery quilts or if you're a beginner quilter and kind of want a fun way to, to ease into it, I really do highly recommend Kimberly Einmo's mystery quilt on Craftsy. It's not free, um, but it's periodically on sale at random times, so you could probably get it less expensively. But it really was, you know, in my mind, it was worth the money. It was fun to do. Um, and the Craftsy pl platform is great. I'm a huge fan, as you know. I don't think I'll probably feel the need to do a mystery quilt again for a while, with one exception, and I think I've mentioned this before. Um, Charlotte, the scrap quilt queen from my guild, I did an interview with her hmm, sometime last year. Some, I, don't, I didn't look up what episode it was, but just go back and look for my interview with Charlotte Hawks. Um, 
she has decided she's going to do a mystery quilt for our guild. And I think she said it's going to start in September. I think she's going to do it like September through December or something like that. And she's promised us that she's not going to kill us with it. So, you know, obviously if she does that, I'm in. I will I will support her and I will do that mystery quilt. Um, and if you're interested, let me know. Maybe I'll see if she'd be willing for me to share her mystery quilt steps as uh, however I'm able to with my listening audience. So just let me know if that would be something you'd be interested in. Other than that, you know, I think I've gotten my mystery quilt jollies on and <laughs> don't need to do one again for a very long time. Okay, a couple of quick announcements. Um, last week, Noni uh, posted to Twitter the first notice I had seen because I was on vacation that Google Reader is being shut down. Now it's it's being shut down in July, so we've got a little bit of time but for those of us who have relied on Google Reader to track all of our um, blogs that we follow, it was like, oh, crud, well, now what do I do? I really liked Google Reader. Well, I did some quick research. I did post to my blog um, a list of articles I had come across of other recommendations for um, RSS feed readers, blog readers. Um, so go to my blog and, and you'll find links. I think there were three or four articles I'd found, each of which recommended several um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time researching other alternatives. I tend to be, you know, for something like this, if I find something that works for me, I'm just going to go with it. I'm not going to waste time saying, well, maybe this one will be a little different or whatever. When I'm just looking for something simple that, you know, an RSS reader that will pull all my blog feeds into one place, I'm not going to spend a lot of time researching it. If I find one that works, I'm sticking with it. The The one that was... Um, most frequently recommended as top choice through a lot of the articles I was reading, including those that I had linked to on my blog, was Feedly, which is F-E-E-D-L-Y. And so I tested it out once I got home from vacation, and it works beautifully. I love it, so I'm sticking with it. So I've changed to Feedly. You might want to check it out if you're looking for an alternative to Google Reader. It is cross-platform. I use it on my PC. I use it with Hootsuite. Uh, I'm sorry, not Hootsuite. <laughs> That's a different thing. I use it with um, Mozilla Firefox, but it works on, I think, most of the browsers. I just happen to use Firefox. Um, and it works beautifully there. And I really love the interface of it on my iPad. I think it's also available for Droid, if you've got a Droid-based um, Android tablet kind of thing. Um, I think it's also available on Mac. You know, like I said, I didn't do a ton of research into it, but I do remember that it was fairly cross-platform. It seemed like it was going to be available on a lot of things. Um, it immediately pulled all of my feeds from Google Reader right into it, kept all the same categories, um, moved them because I have a lot of folders, so I can subdivide uh, work versus quilting versus quilting listeners versus quilting podcasters versus quilting authors and teachers. And then I do also have various work categories too. So I've got a lot of subfolders. It moved them all in there. Gorgeous. Not a hitch. Um, I, it was a little trickier for me. I had a lot of feeds from, um, well, not a lot, but I had specific feeds from my Flickr groups related to my podcast. And, um, Facebook, my Facebook page on my podcast, just like if I get comments and stuff, it had been going into Google Reader. Those all transferred fine, but then when I tried to add some new Flickr feeds, it took me a little bit to figure out how to do that, but I did finally figure out how to do it. It was actually easier than I thought, and it turned out to be more of an issue with Flickr than it was <laughs> with Feedly, because Flickr has changed how they've done some things, how they're, some of their interface. Um, 
But again, if you're looking for an alternative to Google Reader, I have found Feedly to be quite nice. I do like that. So that's my um, kind of tech recommendation. My other announcement is that um, I'm, I'm going to invite you to do a class along, <laughs> only because several of us have decided we're um, the next class we kind of want to tackle on Craftsy is Laura Wazilowski's hand-stitched collage quilts. If you're not familiar with Laura, and I think I'm pronouncing her last name right, Wazilowski, Wazilowski, I'm not sure how she pronounces it. Um, she is one of the founders of the Chicago School of Fusing, which is a very tongue-in-cheek endeavor. Just Google it, Chicago School of Fusing. It's not an actual real-life school. Um, but she does art quilts, and she uses fusing. And then she does embellishments and hand-stitching and stuff on top of that. And I've done a lot of fusing, you know, but I decided, you know, it's probably about time I actually sat down and tried to learn how to really fuse because <laughs> I've been kind of figuring it out as I go and I think making life very difficult for myself in some instances. Um, DDR Quilter, I'm sorry, I, I always think of people by their Twitter handles now so that <laughs> these people do have real names, um, but DDR Quilter and Kati's Quilting and I think also McKittycat1. I think is also doing this. I'm not sure she's at least chiming in on some of our conversations about it. Um, so we're all kind of doing it more or less at the same time. And we're going to, you know, be posting pictures to each other and stuff about doing it. I'm not going to set up a separate Flickr group or anything like this. If you want to do that craft, that class with us, just post pics of it in the quilting for the rest of us Flickr group and, you know, mark them as the tag them somehow as, the Laura class or, you know, Laura Wazilowski class or collage quilt craftsy class or whatever, however you want to do that. Um, there's also not going to really be a set schedule for it, although I am going to try to complete mine over the next couple of weeks. Part of the reason I decided to say this is going to be a class along was because that'll keep me working on it. That'll make me go through it. That's kind of how it worked with the Kimberly Imo mystery quilt. The fact that there were several of us who had all decided to do it at the same time kept me going. So I'm going to have you guys keep me going. If you decide you want to do this um, crafty class, you know, it would just be fun to have us all kind of going through it at the same time. So I'm calling it a crafty class along, and it's the Laura Wazilowski hand-stitched collage quilts class. Um, I, I just think it'll be kind of fun. I, those of us who have already been talking about doing it together on Twitter, you know, we're talking, are we going to do her exact designs or not? We might tweak up fabrics. I don't know. You know, we're going to be kind of flexible with it. I may just gift myself the simplicity of doing her design, or at least, you know, a my own version of her design, rather than trying to take the time to come up with something completely different. We'll see. You know, I'm just going to kind of flow with it. Um, I am, however, I came to the sudden realization today, I can use my new hand-dyed fabrics <laughs> for this. I don't know why that hadn't struck me before, um, but now I've actually got a goal for all of these wonderful fabrics I've been creating. So I'm going to use my hand-dyed fabrics for this class. Um, so those are my announcements, Google Reader, Feedly, and the Laura Wazilowski Craftsy class along. Uh, shoot me a comment on this episode if you think you're going to do the class, if you want to join us um, with us or tweet on it or whatever. And then like I said, nothing special about it. Just post pictures to the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group as you go. Um, quickly, I just wanted to go through a little bit what I'm reading because um, other podcasters sometimes do that and I love getting those book recommendations. Some of the books I read are based on what I hear other podcasters talking about. So I'm not going to give, you know, full-out reviews. I'm just going to mention some that I have been enjoying. Um, 
I have recently started reading a series that I think has been around a little bit, uh, a little while by Deborah Crombie, I think is how you say it, C-R-O-M-B-I-E. Um, and these are set in England. It's a cozy mystery series. The main character is Superintendent Duncan Kincaid of Scotland Yard and his sidekick Gemma, I think her last name is James. Um, both of those characters are just great characters. You really enjoy reading about them. They're well fleshed out. They're just interesting people. Um, so that's, it's a well-written book. I'm really enjoying them. Apparently, I got that recommendation from my sisters, actually, um, and can't believe they knew about a mystery series I hadn't read. <laughs> so I'm actually doing them as audiobooks. I don't know if I'll do the whole series that way. There's a boatload of books in the series. I think there's 15 altogether. Um, so I don't know that I'll do them all as audiobooks, but I'm enjoying the narrator is very good. And so these are things I've enjoyed listening to as I'm sewing or um, on a couple of road trips. I've had them as I was driving. They are keeping me happy until the next Inspector Gamache series comes out. They're not, I wouldn't say that they're like the Inspector Gamache series, but they have some of that same, um, you know, what really drives the Inspector Gamache series. Those are the Louise Penny books that I'm such a huge fan of. Her characters are excellent, and there's a lot of good character development from one book to the next, and you really kind of, she doesn't spend a lot of time on their personal lives, but enough that you get a feel that you're really kind of getting to know the characters. I feel like the Deborah Crombie series is going to have much of that same feeling. Um, the first, first book in the series is A Share in Death, if you want to look for it. So that's Deborah Crombie, um, the Superintendent Duncan Kincaid and Gemma James series. I have also, over the last, um, really just couple of months, I think, I've read all four of the books currently available in Terry Thayer's Quilting Mystery Series, starting Dewey Pelicano, and they're just called Quilting Mystery Series. The books are Wild Goose Chase, Old Maid's Puzzle, Ocean Waves, and Monkey Wrench. Uh, they're not bad. They're not fantastic. I wouldn't put them up there with the Deborah Crombie um, series, but they're a faster read. <laughs> Um, so when I'm in the mood for just something that's a really fast, fairly mindless read, yeah, you know, I'll pick these up. The characters, what doesn't grab me, the characters are all a little bit flat. There isn't, there's not much in the way of roundness to the characters. Um, you know, you're kind of just reading what you're being presented. There's not a lot of depth there. A lot of the characters are actually really caricatures. Um, and, and it's, easy for me to peg the villain pretty early on because the same kind of red herrings and tricks seem to be used in every novel. So now that I've read for them, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm on to you because this character is behaving in this way. I'm kind of assuming that person isn't the murderer, even though you think, you know, we're supposed to think they are, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'll probably continue to read them as they come out just because they really are an easy and nice rainy day read, but you know, they're not, something I'd necessarily miss if I didn't see the next one come out either. Um, as another series that I'm enjoying a little bit more, although I'd put more on the layer of more on the level of the Terry Thayer books than I would the Deborah Crombie books, um, is Deanna Rayburn's Lady Julia series. And and this one is thanks to JF Art Quiltmaker. She had talked about them on Goodreads, so I started reading them. Um, and I do enjoy them. They, I think they're more well-written and better characters than what are in the Terry Thayer's books. 
Um, they're still not quite up to what Deborah, Deborah Crombie's are. Not as much depth there, but still very enjoyable. Um, I'm partway through the second book in the series, which is Silent in the Sanctuary. The first book is Silent in the Grave. Um, these are also... Are they set in England? I think they're also set in England. I'm blanking now. Yes, they are set in England. They're set back in time, maybe late 1800s-ish. I don't really remember exactly, but they are more of an historical mystery. Um, I think there's only about five books out so far, um, or ish. But again, I'm, I'm enjoying those. I'm enjoying those more than the Terry Thayer books, a little less than the Deborah Crombie books. So now you're getting the sense of my ladder here. Um, and I did, did pre-order. Actually, I discovered I pre-ordered twice. <laughs> Although, you know, Amazon wonderfully told me, you already have pre-ordered this, so it didn't let me pay for it a second time. Marie Bostwick's next book, which is coming out April 30, um, April 30th. That's the next book in the Cobble Court Quilt series, and apparently it's going to be titled Between Heaven and Texas. So that will be shot to my Kindle exactly on April 30th, and I'm planning on, by the time I'm reading that, we will not have any more snow. It's been snowing a blizzard out all day today. That really nasty, you know, kind of, um, it's hitting my my windows like pellets kind of snow. And very, very cold. I've had space heaters on all day. So ordering something that I will get on April 30th just makes me think of spring. So Marie Bostwick, you better bring me some sunshine. That's what I'm looking for. So that's my reading recommendations. I would definitely say find the Deborah Crombie series if you're into mysteries. I would then also say you probably should also find the Deanna Rayburn series, Lady Julia series. And then if you're looking for just a nice, light, rainy day, kind of easy, fast read, go for the Terry Thayer Quilting Mystery series. And look forward to the Marie Bostwick book coming out. Listener comments don't have a lot because I haven't really been talking to you. Isn't it funny the way that works? If I'm not talking to you, you don't tend to talk back. Um, But I did get a handful of comments on my last blog post, which was the one about um, Google Reader. Um, Thank you to Laura and Cindy, Sarah, Stash Overflow, and Jody for responding. I just wanted to share with you a little bit of what they said. Um... Laura said, she said, I'm a regular listener to your podcast, but not a great commenter. You are a great commenter, Laura. When you leave a comment, it's a great one. Um, She said she's very sad about Google Reader going away because she's not very good at this computer stuff and Google Reader was easy for her to understand. Um, And she says her blog, I also mentioned in that. So Laura, I think you would find Feedly just as easy to use. It really is very straightforward. I actually like the interface better. Um, Then Google Reader, only because it looks a little bit more magazine-like, so it's prettier to look at. It makes you feel like you're turning the pages of a magazine. It's very nice. I feel like it takes the best of Flipbook, which I never really liked. I liked the way it looked, didn't like anything else about the way it it functioned. And Google Reader, which I liked the way it functioned, didn't really like the way it looked. Feedly seems to be a nice combination of both. Um, But I had also mentioned on my blog that Google Reader really is tightening up its belt. It's getting rid of a lot of the stuff. It doesn't feel like it's really making its money. And so I think Blogger is probably, I'm predicting within the next year or so, I'm not sure Blogger will still be around, honestly. Or maybe I just hope it isn't because it's really started ticking me off. All of my work blogs, and I have several of them that I manage, are all on WordPress And I have grown over the last year to really prefer the way WordPress works to Blogger. So I'm actually probably, I'm now in the the midst of trying to move my blog to WordPress, like I have said. Um, 
And so Laura, I mentioned that in this in this uh, blog post, and Laura did say she's also her blog is also on Blogger. And when I get my blog transferred to WordPress, wants me to do a podcast to tell us how to do it. So Laura, I don't know if I'll do a whole episode on it, but if I do actually figure out how to do this, actually transferring your blog from Blogger to WordPress, very easy. It's really not hard at all. Get your blog set up in WordPress. And I'm talking about WordPress.com, not WordPress.org. There are two different ones. .com is the free one. Um, If you're transferring your blog from Blogger to WordPress.com, you set up your blog in WordPress, and then there's this little tool called Import. And you just go there and you say, I want to import all my things from Blogger and all my comments too. And they just, ooh, like magic, move over. Um, For me, it worked seamlessly. I've done it now a couple of different times on different blogs. It worked beautifully. No problem with anything moving over, looking gorgeous when it got moved and everything. I know sometimes there can be hitches. I'm not going to talk about hitches because I didn't have them. You got to go to the tech support, but it's really very simple. So if you're just talking about wanting to go to WordPress.com, very simple. I would say just go in there, set yourself up an account, and start messing around with it. You will figure out how to do it. Um, Cindy said she has also read a few articles on what to switch to from Google Reader, and she has also added Feedly. She says it's web-based. I think there's an app also. Yes, there is. Um, And so far, she also likes Feedly. So that's two of us that are saying go for Feedly. Sarah says, I definitely second the notion of letting us in on the process from switching from Blogger. I have the feeling I'm going to have to do the same thing. So, yes. That's pretty much what you do. She said she's installed Feedly also, but she's also trying out Blog Lovin, which seems to work pretty well so far. Blog Lovin, which is B-L-O-G-L-O-V-I-N, all one word. So that's another one you might want to try it out. I haven't looked at it, so I don't really know. Um, Stash Overflow says, actually, Stash Overflow is Barbara. Barbara says, I panicked, first blog lines went away, now Google Reader. Um, Google Reader is something I can use both at home and at work. Finding something to use at home won't be a problem. And um, finding something she can use at work for her work-related feeds is more difficult because she can't install software or browser plugins. Um, The old old reader, capital O, L-D, capital R, Eater, is the only one I've seen that works like Goodreads, but it's blocked at work as a social networking site, so no go there. And she's tried adding an RSS feed to Outlook, but that didn't work. She thinks she has the back end disabled. For those of you who aren't tech people, you don't have a clue what any of this means. I understand. I know Barbara. I have an RSS feed in one of uh, for in my Outlook at work, but I actually always ignore it, so that doesn't work for me. I need to have them all in one place. Um, she says Net Vibes might work, but she can't tell if she they have free of accounts. So. You know, Barbara, try Feedly because it is web-based, so you might be able to get there. Um, I don't know that it would be blocked as a social networking site, so try it. If you have a smartphone, you can do Feedly on your phone. Um, So let us know what you're able to do. And then Jody says, (laughs) thank you for your links to Google Reader Alternatives. I'm trying to stay calm, but I didn't think about Blogger going away. Would love any information about trials, tribs, and tips for changing to WordPress or other platforms. Hand-holding is welcomed. So again, I've talked a little bit about WordPress. That's it. So thank you, everybody, for your comments. Um, I will keep you posted on my changing my blog over. And like I said, I'm making it more complicated for myself because I'm trying to do other things at the same time. I've actually already got my blog transferred to WordPress. I've just not 
let y'all know the new address and stuff because I'm trying to do the whole thing where it'll keep up, you know, the redirects and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so you don't need to know any more about that. So that is this episode. Let me know. Do you find that you have similar reactions to stress and becoming task-oriented in your quilting? Is that a reaction that you have? Um, Let me know if you want to, if you're participating in the Laura Wazilowski Craftsy Class Along, just so we can all keep track. And if a bunch of us start doing it, I don't know, maybe we will decide we want to set up a Flickr group right now. I don't see the purpose. Um, Let me know your book recommendations. I'm in the middle of trying to read a bunch more books. I'm doing a cozy mystery challenge on Goodreads, so I've got a list of books I'm trying to read, but I think I'm down to the last three, so I'm going to be done with those pretty soon. And then you know, let me know what you find out about switching from Google Reader to other things. That's it for this episode. Email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog still at quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Threadbeads, thread, <laughs> Threadbeads, Threadbias, and Craftsy. All of those places I am, Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can join the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us team on Kiva. And you will find links for all of that at the one web address that will not change, www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And don't forget, you can now find Quilting for the Rest of Us on Stitcher Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 